0: Good morning. Well, well, interesting days we're in, right? You guys, enjoying watching the news. Hmm. <laughs> I agree. I totally hear you. You know, it's. Uh, I've been kind of, I mean, I've been paying attention and seeing what's going on around us, and I, I actually want to appeal to you this morning just about coronavirus, COVID-19, and uh, and kind of what... It's happening around us. I look at it. I was taking a look at CDC earlier in the week, and I threw these numbers up, and I I looked again this morning. Actually, numbers are continually changing. U.S. cases, not 99, but 164 as of this morning, 11 deaths in 19 different states. And while there's uh, less than five here in Oregon, when you look around us, uh, the new numbers are between 50 and 100. Uh, verified cases up in Washington, and uh, 21 to 50 is the number they gave down in California, so kind of around us, and just something that we should be paying attention uh, of. And uh, and I was looking at also Oregon Health. Uh, they put up something just about how can I avoid, and I want to talk about it just for a minute here, uh, washing your hands often with soap and water. I've heard that not just doing it quick, but singing happy birthday twice while you wash your hands. I've heard that. I read a better one, though. It said, uh, wash your hands as though you just made jalapeno poppers and you got to change out your contacts. Yeah. Who's been there? Who's done that? Like I made jalapeno poppers for our community group on time. Four hours later, I scratched my eyeball. thought it was going to burn out of my face. But uh, uh, I thought that was pretty good. So avoid touching your eyes. That will help also. Nose and mouth. Avoid contact with sick people. Stay home if you are sick. Cover your mouth with your, uh, and nose with a tissue or your sleeve when coughing. And I've heard this new one. Because you cough, possibly into your arm, I've heard that people, instead of shaking hands, are like giving elbow Hit, right? Have you seen that? Anybody seen that? Evidently, you're not supposed to do that either. Just coughed into your elbow. Now you're going to hit people with your elbow? Like, are we trying to spread this thing? All right. I was like, all right. That's a good point. And I, I found it funny. We're starting in Romans chapter 16, verse 17 today. But verse 16, the end of last week's, was greet one another with a holy kiss. So we're just, we're not doing that. Okay. So I'm not telling you not to follow the Bible, like you should follow the Bible, but maybe for a few weeks we will bypass the holy kiss. Uh, so anyway, but these weren't things, you know, back when I was a kid, we didn't, I don't, or maybe I wasn't paying attention because I didn't care about those kinds of things, but it didn't seem like a part of it is that we didn't have the connection to know what's happening worldwide at those times. I'd seen this picture like a year ago online and, uh, and I was like, yes this is my childhood like summed up right that's not me i saw it online but uh but i was like yes that's a, that's a beautiful picture the shorts the big wheel i had a red and yellow big wheel just like that my ramp would have been bigger but whatever you know <laughs> that's fine uh so here is me in the 80s just for your own entertainment yeah i used to be cute that's true used to be. We'd just move on from that. But, but you know, childhood was different. Like I grew up in the woods and we would, you know, pack up, make a sandwich and throw a water bottle and backpack and get my BB gun and slingshot. And we would be gone for hours and hours in town, leave when the sun was up, come home when the streetlights came on. We used to ride in the back of my grandpa's truck, you know, sitting up on the wheel well, heading up into the mountains, 60 miles an hour. It was beautiful. Like, that's what childhood should be about, and I will say that I didn't raise my kids quite like that. Uh, They wouldn't have been riding on the wheel well in the back of an open pickup truck on the interstate. Um, At the same time, I have often said that bike helmets and hand sanitizer will be the fall of America, okay? These two things, because we're opening ourselves up to viruses and protecting too much, although... My kids wore bike helmets, and you should all really use hand sanitizer this week, okay? I don't know what to tell you. Uh, So anyway, uh, we're going to dig into Romans chapter 16 here, but let's pray first. Lord, I thank you for... Uh, Your love for us, God, thank you for your direction and your word that you give us. Help us just to have our eyes open, our hearts open to how you would lead us and direct us and uh, allow us just to be able to put this into practice in our lives today and in in the future. God, you are so good and we trust you with these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we do get into verse 17, uh, he starts off with, I appeal to you. I ask for, I request earnestly. I urge you to, is what he is saying. And what's interesting is that your reaction to me talking about the coronavirus is often how we will react to verses kind of like this. I saw some visceral reactions from some of you. Some of you kind of folded your eyes. I saw an eye roll or two. I'm like, oh my goodness, are we really talking about this from the pulpit? Really? You know, because we don't take it seriously because it's not something that we think applies to us. That is for somebody else and somewhere else. Maybe if I lived in Washington, I'd pay attention, but this isn't a big deal for us. And, and so I kind of did that for a point to see who would do that. About a third of you reacted that way. Now there's another third of you that were like, uh-huh, tell me more, tell me more. Like you're taking notes, you want to know exactly what you can do to protect yourself from these things, the other third somewhere in the middle. And often when we get to things in the Bible, we react in one of those three ways. We can be somewhat indifferent, we can be really attuned and paying attention to it, but often we'll just kind of push it aside like that's for somebody else in a different place in a different time. This doesn't have to do with me, and yet Paul's words are so applicable to us today, just like they were 2,000 years ago. So I hope that this morning we can take that posture of writing notes and saying, yes, tell me more. What should I be listening to? And so he says, I appeal to you, verse 17, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division, And create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. So he's really calling us in. We're wrapping up the book of Romans. And here at the end, he's giving his final, possibly most important thoughts. If I leave you with one thing, I want to leave you with these things. And he says that I want you to be on the watch out. To be looking out for those who cause divisions who create obstacles that are contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Heads up, people, watch out. I need you to be looking and watching for these kinds of things in your midst, for people causing divisions, for people that are putting obstacles in your path. Now, uh, he goes on and he talks about, for people that talk about things that are not in line with the doctrine that you have heard. Okay, and that's much of the reason that the elders sat together earlier this year, well, last year, and moving into the fall and said, what are we going to study together? And we decided on the book of Romans. Because there's not a single book in the Bible that has more doctrine packed into it than the book of Romans. That said, We want to be on the same page, that we're all educated, that we're all in the know on what the Bible has to say. And so we dug in to the book of Romans. Now, in Timothy, it says this. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up and conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels about words which produce envy, Dissension, slander, evil sh- suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved of mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. He says, "I want you to be teaching good doctrine. I want you to be listening for doctrine that does not accord with the truth, that is dissonant from what you have already been taught." And I think of this as we heard this morning. I'm going to try this out a little bit. uh Oh, there's capo. I don't know how to do that. I'm going to take that off, Brooklyn. You're a capo-less. I'm going to use this is my daughter's guitar. So, all right. Can, I guess, is there, can you hear it out there? Let's try something here. Does that sound right? I know a chord, right? I know something. Here you go. Yeah? How about how about this one? That's it. Can you hear it? Dissonant. It does not accord with sound doctrine. And this is one of the reasons that we do the Bible reading plan. In the pews in front of you is a bookmark that has Bible reading that every day you can be in God's word so that you can be learning what God's word says so that when you hear something that is not in accord with God's word that it hits your spirit and you go like, mm, that's, I don't know what it is, but something about that is not right. It is dissonant with sound doctrine. And so this is what Paul uh, is talking about here in Romans and what he was talking about when he wrote this letter to Timothy. A, a, number, well, a couple of years ago now, we ordered communion wafers and they were out of the one that we normally get. And so we got a different communion wafer in. And you guys ate communion. And then you were like, this is not the right communion cracker. <laughs> you were not happy. We got all kinds of notes about it. And it's like, you knew when it wasn't the right Jesus. That's not the right Jesus. Let me tell you what the right Jesus tastes like. And, And you know that when we're like Easter and we use the single individual packs, you know, with the juice, and you take that styrofoam Jesus. Styrofoam Jesus. Yeah, like that's not real Jesus. I can taste it. I know that's not the right Jesus. And so being in God's word day in and day out helps us to understand when it's not the right Jesus. That's not the Jesus that I learned. That doesn't accord with God's word, with sound doctrine. And that's why we connect you into daily Bible reading and encourage you along that way. Now, here's the other thing. A number of uh, weeks ago, you may have been in here, somebody disagreed with something I said, and they stood up, and they yelled at me and cursed at me, and uh, that was interesting. Uh, But this is what I want to say. If you disagree with something I say, or Mike says, or one of our elders is preaching about, come talk to us. Maybe don't stand up in service and cuss at us, okay? Maybe, Maybe not that. But, uh, but what I said to this young lady as she was walking out is I said, I would love to sit down with you and go into God's word together. I would love to sit down. You know, if you hear something you don't think is quite right, let's sit down. Let's get together. Let's open up God's word together. Maybe I can learn something that you have already learned. Let's make sure that we are in harmony, in accord with one another. You know, we are open to those conversations and we should be challenging them in a godly, loving, not cussing at Aaron during the sermon manner, probably. Uh, but we want to open ourselves up to that. And so when you're looking for these things for people who may be dividing, there's a number of things that you can look for. When something sounds not quite right, you know, sometimes it will get framed in a godly manner. You know, the, the, the very detailed prayer request, also known as gossip, right? And sometimes it's not just about the other person. They're just trying to share something or somebody has, hey, come here, come here, come here. You know, I'm really concerned about so-and-so. Now, I'm not saying that that is a bad thing. What I'm saying is that a yellow flag might wanna come up, that you might wanna go, okay, I'm gonna pay attention to this. Are the motives of this person right? Especially if it's something like, don't say anything, but... You know, those kinds of things that we need to be listening for because these are the ways that division is created and, and, that, and that something is wedged in between us that our relationships can begin to break. I find it interesting uh, that, uh, that many times when people are open to discussion, when they're willing to getting together to talk through these things, then you hear their real motives, While others, if they refuse to get together and refuse to follow up, then that maybe lets you know a little bit more about what was motivating them towards those things. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 said this. He said that you will recognize them by their fruit. We're going to get more into Matthew 7 a little bit later, uh, but be watching out for people by watching their fruit. Look also for those that are putting obstacles in your path, unnecessary obstacles. Paul deals with this a lot in the book of Romans. There was many people who were talking to the Gentiles that said, you have to become Jewish before you can become a Christian. You have to be circumcised in order to really then follow Jesus. And they were putting extra things into the story. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus said this, They tie up heavy burdens. He was talking about the Pharisees, Sadducees here. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with a finger. So Jesus dealt with this. Paul has addressed this in Rome, and we're not any better. We need to be watching for those kinds of things, obstacles, extra things that people are putting in our path to following Jesus. continues in verse 18. Where he says, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Jesus is saying, they aren't serving me. Paul's saying, they're not serving Jesus. They're serving their own appetites. And people's appetites can vary. For those that are not serving Jesus, sometimes their appetites are for influence or for power, for control. Sometimes their appetite is for chaos or for destruction, to see things broken apart and fall to pieces. Notice the descriptors that he uses here. He says, look out for those who use smooth talk and flattery. Have you ever met somebody and started into a conversation with just what you wanted to hear? You know, be paying attention to these things. They ask you about your kids and your wife, but before you even answer, they've trailed off and they're not paying attention anymore. You know, if you want to proof that out, if you want to see the fruit, start opening up to them a little bit. Man, things are really rough. You know, my kids are struggling with this. And open up to them. And if they lean in and they put their own agenda aside and they join you in the moment, now you've seen their true motives because they've dropped their agenda and are caring about you. They're engaging you. But watch when that conversation quickly gets diverted back to what they were talking about. These are things that we need to be watching for. Smooth talk and flattery. That's the bait that they use to pull you in, to manipulate you so that you can move them to satisfying their appetites. Whether that, again, is for chaos or for control or for power manipulation. Now, Jesus, again, in Matthew 17, in the same verse, says, Be aware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, he says. They come in sheep's clothing, but really on the inside are ravenous wolves. Wolves in sheep's clothing. They come disguised. They look like one thing. They look like they've got everything together, but when you really look deeper in, there's something altogether different. Paul, when teaching the church at Corinth, said this: Such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of the light. So it's no wonder, no surprise, if his servant also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Again, in Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. You know, apex predators like lions and and raptors and wolves, they will often go after the young, the sick, the weak, the injured. Why? Because it's unfair. But when a, a predator is trying to feed their own appetites, unfair is actually ideal. That's what they're looking for. Have you ever seen a video of like a lion attacking the small wildebeest that's outside the pack at the end of, of the herd is they running away and he picks them off? And this is why we talk about community groups so much. Being with a group of people because the truth is that every one of us at one point in time or another is going to be sick, is gonna be injured in our own way. Have you ever seen that same video where that pack of wildebeest turns around and comes after the lion? Go home and YouTube it. It's pretty amazing. You know, when we're the sick one, when we're the weak one, I want a group of people that when they see that I'm down, that they circle back around that they've been able to warn to begin with, hey, be careful of that. They are able to come alongside me when I'm injured and help me through a difficult time in life. But if things go wrong, they're going to be on the attack for me. And that's why community is so important here at Florence Christian Church. So important throughout scriptures that we have people that we can rely on that can be there for us. Because sometimes we need to go on the attack for them, but other times it's going to be us. And wouldn't it be nice to have a herd that is there to come around us and be there for us some of us push back a little bit about community groups and i don't always want to push too much you you know no you have to be in a community group we don't say those kinds of things but i also kind of hate to just leave you you ever wonder why jesus left 99 to go after one he left 99 sheep in a group to go after one you know why because he knew that that one on his own was dead he knew he didn't have a chance. He said, the group, the pack is okay by themselves, but I will go after the one. And sometimes as people talk to me about, I don't need to be in a community group. Well, I was in a community group at one point in time, but I don't need that now. Part of me is like, all right, but you're probably gonna be dead soon because you don't have people. You don't have a group that can come alongside you. And we still had so much to walk along this life journey together. Verse 19 Says, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. The, God, or the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, this is an odd verse to read at first. You know, when we put our own definitions in there, yeah, some of us are jumping up and down right now as we sing that song in our head. If you know it or have ever been to camp, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. I mean, that kind of seems odd, right? The God of peace will soon crush Satan. How does that work? And, and we have our Americanized view of peace when we read these verses often. That peace for us is simply the absence of war. If we're not at war, then we're at peace. But this wouldn't have been what the, the Roman uh, Christians heard when they listened to this. See, the concept of shalom or peace was so much more than just not being at war. This concept of peace was about wholeness was about completeness, about bringing something together to being sound. You know, Mike's office right now used to be our youth room. And uh, in that back building, the cinder blocks are stacked. They're not staggered. They're kind of right on top of each other. And you used to be able to look straight out from inside, and you could see daylight outside. That wall did not have shalom. It wasn't whole. It wasn't complete. This morning out in the lobby, I learned that uh, my shirt, while it's appropriate for church because it's holy, does not have shalom. Trudy's like, hey, you got a hole in your shirt. I was like, oh, yes, I do. My shirt does not have shalom. It doesn't have wholeness. And so looking at this verse again, the God of wholeness, the God who brings completion will soon crush Satan under your feet. The wolves that used to be nipping at your heels will be the wolf that now lays underfoot because a God that brings completion will soon put Satan underneath your feet. And he says this be innocent. According, no, no, be, be wise according to the things of godliness. Those things that are of God. Be all over those things, but be innocent of evil. And, and it's interesting, you ever think of, a, of, of Pilate, you know, before the Jewish accusers, and, and he washes his hands. How appropriate to say, I am innocent of this man's blood. You're going to kill this man, Jesus, but that has nothing to do with me. Be innocent of evil, he says, And so we think of what this looks like. Encouragement. You're doing a good job, he closes with. Continue being right on top of things of godliness. Have nothing to do with those things that are evil, knowing that the God who brings wholeness, who brings completion, will continue the work that he's doing. So what do we do with all this stuff? I mean, it's a lot of heavy content this morning. And and I look at this and, and the things that we're supposed to do. Paul took 11 chapters to talk to us about right thinking, correct doctrine. He then, chapters 12 through 15, helped us in how to live this out so that we had right living to go along with it. And now he's closing with some final thoughts. And he warns them, even though you're doing a good job, don't get too comfortable Don't get too comfortable because there are still things that can come in and the evil one wants to send people into the church that will create division, that will create chaos, that will bring destruction because he knows that the church is God's chosen vehicle to bring the message of love to the world. It's interesting as you look at these how similar it is to what the CDC has to say. Be watchful, be aware, pay attention to what's going on around you. Wash your hands frequently. Be innocent of evil, he says. Wash your hands. And, and, and it sounds to me that these are warnings that we need to heed. You know, unlike the little tag on your pillow that you don't care about, you just cut that off and forget about it. More like, uh, more like the warning on an electrical panel. Like this is something important that you need to pay attention to. Not to be afraid of, but to be aware of. In verse 23 here, he continues, and he talks about a guy, Gaius. Gaius, who is a host to me and to the whole church. You know, uh, there's, uh, Gaius was a fairly common name, but many people think that this is somebody that Paul had baptized. Uh, many other uh, scholars think that it's actually the gentleman who John writes to in the book of 3 John. Let's turn to 3 John near the end of your Bible, and uh, it's a short book. It's actually one chapter, and so there's only verses in it. Uh, You could read it in just a few minutes, but we're going to look at verse 9, and and he says this. So he's writing to Gaius, this same gentleman who Paul uh, talks about. He says, "'I have written something to the church, "'but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, "'does not acknowledge our authority.'" So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who, uh, who want to and puts them out of the church. And so he says, I want to talk about this guy. He's saying wicked things about us. And, and that doesn't even satisfy his appetite. In fact, the missionaries that we're sending, he is stopping them from working. And he's even trying to kick them out of the church. But I love what he says here. He says, uh, I'll deal with him. Don't worry, I'm going to come and I'm going to deal with him. I will talk to him. So sometimes it is just somebody that needs to be talked to who needs to be brought in accord. They were dissonant. They were out of line of sound doctrine. They need to be brought back in line with sound doctrine. How many times if we dealt with things that began to divide us within our relationships, within our community group, within a church, if we dealt with them in a godly manner, how quickly they could be resolved. Jesus talks about this, Matthew 18. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses." If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, then let it be to him as a Gentile or a tax collector. He says, go to the person. Try to deal with it one-on-one. People will sometimes come and talk to me, and they'll say, you know, this is happening. I'll go, hold on, stop, stop, stop. Have you talked to them about this? No, not yet. Then go. Just go. You need to go and talk to them yourself you're probably gonna resolve it. It was probably a misunderstanding. It was probably something that somebody said or somebody else overheard that wasn't the actual case. You know, and maybe they were wrong. I'd rather somebody come to me and say, hey, you were a jerk, so that I can say, you're right, I was. I'm sorry that we can make things right in between you and I. And then it says that you can go on to other steps to include other people. Again, community, having people that can go in love. And then it says that there are times that it may not work out as you would plan. And interestingly, 2 John talks about that. Let's turn one page back if you're in 3 John. This is a letter that he wrote to uh, the the lady elect, it says, and to her children, which is either a woman and and her own kids or possibly a church leader and the people that had come to know Christ because of her ministry. And so he is writing to her In verse 7, it says, There are many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may uh, win a full reward. So it says that there are some that, that are not working for Christ, that do not have him at their hearts, that cannot be brought back into accord with sound doctrine. They don't even recognize Jesus as the Son of God who came, who died, and who rose again. If if that's the case, they're there to deceive. They're there to to create divisions within you, and you need to have nothing to do with them. It seems harsh, but he's protecting. He's protecting the church. He's protecting the body of Christ. And, and, And it seems harsh at times, but sometimes we need to just look at the lives We wanted to jump back into Matthew chapter 17, as I said I would. Jesus said this. He said, Be aware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. So, as you have yellow flags go up, as you have people that you're not sure of, that maybe you've tried to go and, and, and talk to one on one, then look at their lives and look at the fruit. Do they leave in their path a wake of broken relationships? Have they been, uh, you know, it, are they on their third church in just as many years and maybe even more so than that? Is it always somebody else's fault? They did me wrong. They said this about me. They did. It's always somebody else and not them. Maybe there's somebody that you need to be weary of. Now, again, God wants us to bring people back into the fold, back into alignment with sound doctrine. So it doesn't mean that they're a lost cause. It just means that we need to be aware. And you'll see the fruit of that. If you approach somebody and they can humble themselves and listen to sound doctrine and listen to sound advice, again, when approached in love, then restore them to the fellowship. But those who will not humble themselves, who will not submit themselves to the word of God, it says, have nothing to do with them. You need to make sure that they're not in your fellowship. Those are hard words. And yet God is protecting the bride. We are the bride of Christ. He's returning for us, and he uses people like Paul to give us warnings. He speaks to it himself so that that can be protected. You wouldn't want to bring them back into the fellowship. And think about this in your own home. Who would you allow to create division and strife? Would you allow them into your home over and over again? Would you go out and buy a cougar to look over your, your, uh, your, your, uh, your chicken coop, Right? Yeah, would you do that? Probably not. Would you, would you hire a narcoleptic to be your night guard? Would you assign a four-year-old to watch over your cupcake? I don't think so. Right? And so he says, you have to be aware. You have to be aware of where people are at, where they're coming from, for the purpose of bringing them into sound doctrine, into accord with sound doctrine. But if not, you have to protect yourselves. You have to protect the body. Now, these are hard things. This is a difficult stuff to, have to deal with on a Sunday morning. And yet, Paul warns us. He says, I appeal to you. It's important for us just as much now as it was for the church in Rome then. And uh, we're going to take our communion now. We're going to come to a time uh, that, that's about recentering our hearts and remembering what he did. The fact, the fact that he went to the cross to pay for the penalty of the things that we had done wrong because we are the bride of Christ so that he could present us to himself as pure because of his sacrifice. So we're taking the elements, you know, the juice representing his blood that was spilled, the cracker representing his body that was broken for us. And I want to close with the end of Romans simply because, not to jump on Mike's verses for next week's, but because Paul doesn't end here, I don't want us to end here either. But it says this, Paul in the next verses says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations, according to the commandment of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your deep love for us, that you were willing to give everything to be in a relationship with us. God, I thank you for helping us to be aware, God, that we can be there for one another, that we can walk with one another when we're sick, when we're injured. God, that we can uh, preserve the unity of your body. God, I thank you for uh, giving us each other, that we don't have to do this alone, that you've given us a church to journey through this difficult life with. God, but it's also what you have chosen to show your love to this world. Help us to do that well. Not because we're perfect, but because you're perfect. Allow our lives um, and our mistakes and, and our shortcomings to just highlight how very amazing you are. We worship you and you alone. In Jesus' name. Amen.